This week's episode of the Getting to Know podcast is brought to you by the Nina Values. Did you know that we place the health and well-being of our employees above everything else? Learn about our commitment to both physical and emotional safety on Connect. Hey, everybody. It's Mike Rickheim. Thanks for joining us today for another edition of the Getting to Know podcast. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Fine Paper and Packaging's own Kristen Duncan coming to us from sunny Southern California. Kristen, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to join us today on the Getting to Know podcast. Hey, Mike. No, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. We're excited to have you. So what do you actually do within fine paper and packaging? That's a good question. Um, So my official title is Sustainable Solutions Development Manager. And in layman's terms, essentially what that means is I follow the macro trends that are happening out in the world and I create or I conceptualize and and take the product, potential product through front end innovation, basically determine if we have the capabilities within our system and then uh, bring new products to to life through commercialization. So basically sustainably minded alternatives to products that are out in the market today, I work to develop with an internal team on. Gotcha. So I got to believe that there's probably a little bit of a double secret probation kind of confidentiality to a big part of your role. Is that right? That's exactly it. This podcast will self-destruct if I mention anything. (laughs) So I will be very careful in how to ask you questions then. So do you consider yourself in, in the role that you, as you described it, do you consider yourself a marketer or an innovator or a sustainability guru? How would you classify that or some, some combination thereof? probably a combination thereof. It's definitely definitely heavily weighted on uh, innovation and specifically sustainable innovation. So I think that those are probably the two key attributes, but there definitely is a marketing and sales uh, component to my role. So it's kind of, I wear a lot of different hats. How long have you actually been wearing hats at Nina? I have been with Nina. Um, I actually had to look this up recently, which don't tell my husband <laughs> if he's listening. I apologize. I've actually been with Nina one year longer than I've been married. So this October will be seven years. Seven years of Nina bliss, six years of wedded bliss. I'm certain. Did you grow up wanting to be a combination of sustainability, innovator, marketer type of wonder woman? Or what was your plan from the early days? No, I didn't have any idea that my career would take me in this innovation sustainability direction. I actually, how I kind of came to being in this industry was when I was in high school, I was the editor-in-chief of my yearbook, my senior year. And we were with a large publishing company and my high school was a big big customer of theirs and we were having some production issues and so to kind of manage the relationship the company flew me and my advisor and another student out to see the our yearbook actually being produced and when I walked into the facility and I, now I know what I know that this was totally a, a they were they were putting a, a show on for me but I walked into the facility and saw that our product, our, the pages that we had designed were on their, their screens in their pre-press room. They had us running on the press. They had us in the bindery and they had a finished book that they handed to me right then. And it really just connected the, the idea of concept to um, print in the entire life uh, that, that something goes through. So it just really intrigued me. And that was really why I decided 
decided to go after the bachelor's that I went after, which was graphic communication. And then I started working for a paper company right out of college and then, you know, paper sustainable. So I just really took a liking to it. And then it just, the evolution of my career has just weighted more heavily on the sustainability side than anything else. Very cool. It's interesting what what things influence our trajectories for sure. You're in Southern California. So do you have any choice but to be really sustainably minded or am I just being overbroad and creating stereotypes? <laughs> there are a lot of sustainably minded folks that are walking around Southern California, but no, it is not a prerequisite to, to live in the area. I have conversations with people regularly about recycling, for example, like what you can and what you can't put in your recycle bin. And it doesn't matter if you're in Southern California or any other state, there's such a lack of knowledge about what can and can't be recycled, for example, that there's definitely California has, um, it's gone in the right direction as far as comparatively to the rest of the country. However, (laughs) I wish that we were a little further ahead than we are, to be honest. Does that lack of awareness affect you from a professional standpoint in your role as well? Is there a big education process involved in your role? There definitely is because the the attributes that matter to end users or the actual consumer are different than what legislation has in place, for example. So it really is understanding the sustainability and um, environmental policies that are in play and how they're actually executed versus what they say on paper. So it's definitely an interesting category. Did you grow up in, in that area, somewhere in Southern California? Nope, actually grew up in Arizona. My parents relocated from Arizona to San Diego when I was about 15. So I was a sophomore in high school. And um, as soon as I came to Southern California, I, I couldn't, <laughs> I wasn't going to shy away from the gorgeous weather. So I decided to stay in California through college. I went up uh, to San Luis Obispo. Actually, I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo for my undergrad. And then I actually took a couple of years up in the Pacific Northwest. I lived in Seattle. And then I was actually relocated back down to Southern California. Gosh, now it was more years than I'd like to count. <laughs> and I've been ever here ever since. Gotcha. Very different climates that you've experienced from the desert to SoCal to the Pacific Northwest, I guess. Definitely. And I, uh, I am where I like to be. <laughs> I definitely like the vitamin D I enjoy on a da- daily basis. So you laid out a, I think, very interesting story as to what influenced you and your path and how you ended up here at Nina. What keeps you at Nina after the last seven years and what what makes it Nina Bliss for you? It's the people, hands down. I I can't tell you how much I enjoy my colleagues. I I just think that we have such a educated, smart, strategic thinking, um, not only from senior leadership all the way down to our, our sales force and our marketing team. I'm always having conversations that I'm learning. I'm being internally challenged. I just really, really like the the culture and how it is working at Nina. It just is like no other company I've ever worked for. And I honestly couldn't be happier. Is there such a thing as a typical day for you or is it that varied? Well, I have two small children, so <laughs> that, that varies uh, very uh, pretty much day to day. But yes, I, I like to have a routine where I like to wake up early, work out, get showered, get get up and do that all before the kids wake up, get them off to school and then start my day, whether it be a, a slew of WebExes or whether it be a research heavy day or building decks or whatnot. But so every day has a little bit of a different nuance, which is what I really, really like. But I try to put as much structure into my day as humanly possible. How small are these two children? Oh, I have a three-year-old and a four-year-old. 
Wow, you are busy. I was not wrong in uh, implying that uh, sustainability, marketing, innovation, Wonder Woman type of, of role, was I? <laughs> uh, you said it. So a three-year-old and a four-year-old, what, what genders do we have going on there? So I have, my daughter is four, her name is Mila, and my son is three, and his name is Tyler. And you've got a husband that rolls around that joint too, you said, from about six years ago, right? Yes, married six years, um, seven in February. His name is Martin, Marty, he goes by, and he is a foreman electrician, so he works on a lot of bigger projects like hospitals or airports or or universities. Very cool. So what do you and Marty and the kids do for fun when you're not innovating sustainable potential solutions for Nana? <laughs> That's assuming there's some time left over. Yeah. We actually are, we're big travelers normally. So COVID was pretty difficult. We staying home and not getting to get out. We really like to explore. We love to swim. We have a pool. And so we spend a lot of time in the backyard and just really taking advantage of, of the pool. Besides that, <laughs> we, we just take whatever time we can get, whether it be my husband and I alone or collectively as the family by just taking small trips or going out to dinner occasionally, like when, when permitted. How far are, are you and the family from the beach? And I guess I'll ask that two ways, mileage and then normal commute, because I got to believe those two things are very different, right? <laughs> so if you want to go to the beach at 5.30 a.m., uh, it will take about... 40 minutes to go 30 miles, but if you want to go at, let's say, 10 a.m., you're looking at more like an hour to an hour and 15. So obviously, I live in Atlanta or the greater Atlanta area, and we are not known for our uh, swift moving traffic, but you live in an area that's uh, perhaps got a worse reputation. Was there ever a period here, Kristen, during COVID, trying to find a silver lining related to COVID, where traffic was not bad or did you just pass right over that in in your part of the world no there was definitely a few months where it slowed down and the silver lining i joke about covid is the sustainability impact because when everyone's sitting at home and nobody's driving their cars they're not creating that traffic it has such a positive impact on the overall environment so i i wish that we could go back to how we were all not driving during like you know, early COVID times because it was just so good on the environment, but it lasted about two months, two, three months, and then it kind of kicked right back up to normal. And now it is just as bad as it ever was. I've heard and or read some things. I don't remember the specifics, but it was, I think there was an ocean related story and something about some kind of breed of wild animals and how things had come back so much during a, you know, I don't know, 60 or 75 day period where um, I believe it was in, in South Florida. I'm, I'm not sure. But is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Like the, the huge impact on the environment because everyone was just hanging out at home, going nowhere, doing nothing? It's exactly it. Like society came to a pause. And so it allowed whales who historically weren't able to really communicate with each other because there was so much traffic, whether it be from air traffic or cruise traffic, that they couldn't talk to each other underwater. But now that that traffic has gone away, there's this open communication between the animals in the ocean, for example, or the um, the wildlife in the ocean. So that's exactly what I'm talking about. So the you mentioned the macros early on, and you know you obviously in your role would spend a lot of time trying to understand like what the opportunities are. Is there a proverbial there there? I assume. What are the big macros? Is it environmental? Uh, is it environmental? It's sustainability, single use. Like, what are the, what are the macros that you're paying most attention to? Saying, hey, here's the opportunity for us. 
Yeah, that's you're, you're hitting it spot on. Single use, particularly around plastics. If we have the opportunity to create fiber-based alternatives for some of the products that are out in the market, it really tells a cool sustainability story and it gives consumers, brands, and the whole supply chain that supports it that feeling of like, I'm doing something that's right. I'm choosing our product X over product Z because it has such a better sustainability story so you can feel good about using it. So what would the perfect day at work in your role actually look and feel like? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, can I joke and say it's a, I start the morning off with a call from my boss giving me a big raise? <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. You're talking, I mean, I'm the HR dude. So yeah, you should absolutely include me in that discussion. So sure. That's a, I start the day off with a big raise, <laughs> have a big cup of coffee. Um, it, it really is so many of my projects that I work on. I, I joke, they are like octopi. They, there's a main project that I'm working on, but there's like a million tentacles that come off of it that require follow-up. So <laughs> I really love the days when I have a strategic meeting with an internal team and there's not like 700 follow-ups. If we can get through a call and actually just accomplish what we're hoping to accomplish without a bunch of follow-up, that would make a really, really good day. <laughs> Staying with the theme of perfection, Kristen, what would the perfect day look like when you weren't creating sustainable solutions for Nina? Just the personal day, the perfect day and evening. I am a, I'm a big Peloton person. I, I have the bike and actually have the treadmill. So I, I really enjoy when I just start my day off with uh, working out and, and doing something that feels good for me, whether it be, you know, whatever the exercise might be. I really enjoy orchids, orchids, and I've, I've kind of been dabbling in flower decoration. So it, having some, some point in my day cut out, whether it be pruning my orchids or watering them or building a bouquet or something that I get to enjoy. I find a lot of enjoyment in that. I'm finding I'm cooking a lot more during COVID. Um, I wouldn't say I'm, <laughs> I'm an expert or even good at it, but I definitely enjoy looking up new recipes and trying them out and just really getting more creative in the kitchen. So it, my perfect day would consist of something to do with that. And then, you know, still would be nice to get a call from my boss. <laughs> yeah. and maybe we'll get a massage or something. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And, you know, it's, it, it's great on the getting, getting to know podcast to understand, you know, the things that motivate people. And in this case, I'm learning compensation and caffeine are both key for you. So I like it. I, I, and, and maybe some orchids. Uh, <laughs> yes, flowers. Yeah, some flowers. We'll work that in there. Would that perfect day and you're, you're kind of working it up in the kitchen, are you experimenting or are you going with something that is tried and true and you know you're going to kill it with that? It might not be tried and true, but I am like so by the book when it honestly comes to how I live my life, I'm very black and white. And so when I'm looking up a recipe, I'm very nervous to modify off of what the recipe specifically calls for. So I, I get nervous with being creative, but I am not nervous to look up new recipes and try new things. So I just, uh, I, I really will rely on the experts that put the recipes out on the internet because I'm sure they're all experts. <laughs> So the nerves associated with uh, messing with the recipe, if you were to say, hey, here's this spectrum, art is on one end and science is on the other and somewhere in the middle is where it comes together. Where, where are you on that spectrum? I'm putting science on the far right and I would be pretty close to the far right. I, I kind of joke, I don't have the creative part of my brain. Like I really have to heavily depend on my colleagues to help me with the creative parts of what, that are required of my job. I very much appreciate those who have it. I wish I did, but I just, I don't, don't ever ask me to draw anything. <laughs> don't ask me to come up with a creative 
concept. Um, it, it's just, it, I struggle with that part of it. I'm more on the other side of the spectrum. Well, there's, there's nothing wrong. The world needs more of Nina needs more of, you know, people that are very data and insight focused. So that's, that's not a bad thing at all. And I got to tell you, you dabbling in the kitchen and decorating with flowers and stuff, you're playing over in the creative space, probably more than you even realize. Oh yeah, Amber, you're probably right. I hadn't thought about it like that. As the kids begin to show more and more personality, are they uh, art? Are they science? Can you not quite tell yet? Um, I think my daughter is probably more art. She actually loves her favorite thing is to do projects and crafts. Like she always is asking me to come up with something that she can do. So thank you, Pinterest, for <laughs> all the all the ideas. Sure. Um, I'd say my son is kind of more the opposite. He is granted he's younger, so it's harder to decipher, but he's just very, very into like construction and like he, I got him a crane truck yesterday. It's like this massive crane truck and he like played with it. I'm not even joking, like a solid three and a half hours. <laughs> so he's not quite as like, give me a crayon. I want to color, but yeah. maybe that'll come with age. It may, it may, they, they certainly evolve, but it's fascinating how, you know, kind of the same formula and largely the same environment. They, they come out and uh, behave so, so very differently. So you, you mentioned you guys are big travel fans what's the best place you've ever gone not to not the best place you've ever lived but the best place you've ever traveled to oh that's a tough question there's there's so many places that I love uh, you know I I there is a part of my heart that loves London I actually studied abroad there when I was in college and so whenever somebody like says you can go anywhere like London's always the top of my list outside of new places that I've never been like the Maldives. I've always been super curious to travel to the Maldives while I still can. My husband and I went to Thailand for our honeymoon and that was pretty awesome. Like just seeing that part of the world is so gorgeous. Very cool. I've never been to that part of that part of the world, but I've heard that same thing. Kristen, because I have sensed that you really like trying to be a little artsier and more creative. How would you feel if I tried out something a little new on the getting to know podcast on you just to see how it goes. And you know, if it doesn't go great, then I'll never do it again. And you will have experimented. And I think we will have both grown. How about that? Sure. Let's do it. All right. So I'm just going to ask you a bunch of things. I don't want you to think about it too much. Just fire back at me. All right. Okay. Optimist or pessimist? Probably more of a pessimist. I'm more of a pessimist, maybe a realist or a practical person, I bet. I wouldn't say I'm a total pessimist, but I'm definitely yeah. not on the high end of the optimism side. So somewhere in the middle. What's your favorite smell? Flowers. Roses, probably. Roses in particular. Do different color roses have any kind of a different scent? I'm sorry for the ignorant question. Um, honestly, I, I apologize. I don't have a... <laughs> Right. for you i'm not sure actually they, they i think they smell differently but i don't know if there's one variation that has a stronger smell than another and i couldn't even tell you which one okay. i like the most favorite food Ooh, mexican food probably i'm a big fan of spice so the spicier the better along those same lines favorite restaurant <laughs> there's a restaurant in southern california and i'm kind of embarrassed that i'm going to admit this on a podcast but it's called uh, rubio's it's like a kind of a fast foodie mexican place <laughs> and it's like my go-to my my family jokes that i could eat there like seven days a week if if i wanted to without having any issue with it so i'd say rubio's which is a i think a, it's not southern california it's a west coast chain i think primarily okay i've never been but i would i would be right there with you on that what's the coolest sound that you can think of that just 
takes you to a good place? Um, it would be music, probably. Want a particular type of music? Um, uh, yeah, give me a particular type of music. Well, I would say, like, I'm a really big uh, Dave Matthews Band fan. I've seen him in concert uh, more times than I can count, and I really enjoy his music. So probably something, just putting something on from him. Dave Matthews, good answer. Uh, first concert. Oh, um, <laughs> MTV Spring Break in, like, 1996. <laughs> Look at you. Where was the first Dave Matthews concert? Oh, um, I went to uh, uh, Shoreline Amphitheater in uh, the Bay Area, so San Francisco area. Best Dave Matthews concert. Ooh, um, and that was the Bridge School Benefit. Um, the best one that I have ever been to was actually probably that one, the Bridge School Benefit concert up in that area. What's your favorite Nina value, Kristen Duncan? Um, speed with Purpose, probably. Is that what you mean by that question? Yep, exactly. What was your first job? My first job was when um, I was 16 years old and I worked at SeaWorld and I worked as a, it was called FOP, front of park. So I took tickets as you entered the park and I would stamp your hand as you were leaving if you wanted to re-enter or you get selected for the coveted uh, job where you direct cars where to park, which I'm not even joking, that was coveted because you got hazard pay. So you'd make more money oh. <laughs> if you did that job. So Very nice. Favorite sport? Baseball, probably. Favorite baseball team? Padres, San Diego Padres. Favorite San Diego Padre of all time? Tony Gwynn, without question. Great, great answer. Does the Duncan family have any pets? Yes, we actually have a King Cavalier. His name is Wally, and he currently has a cone around his neck. He just had a surgery. He was neutered yesterday, so it's been fun. He's running into walls and hitting my leg with his uh, cone. The cone of shame. Got three labs running around, and they've all they've all had their moments. It's uh, God bless him. So, how how long has he been in the family? Um, he's still a puppy. He we got him in January, so he's about ten months old now. Have you guys done any? binging i know you've got you know a couple big jobs a couple young kids a lot going on but any any extra time to uh, binge any tv shows yeah um I, when you asked me what my hobbies were i actually joked in my head thinking i needed to say tv was one of my hobbies i am a <laughs> i am a big tv binger i would say the most recent one that i binge watched was on um was on peacock i think uh, dr death i don't know if you've heard that story but that was a very like oh wow <laughs> Is that like a Jack Kevorkian thing? No, it's, um, it was kind of like a Dirty John, if you heard that podcast. Yeah, okay, I gotcha. So this is a tough question for you, and one I will definitely judge, but three <laughs> TV shows in the history of man and womankind that you think are the greatest ever made? Well, I would definitely say the first would have to be Seinfeld, followed closely behind would be Friends. And I'm a big um, like law and order person and all the variations of law and order. That's good. I haven't watched any law and order, but they, they've, they've got to do well, right? There've been all those variations and huge Seinfeld fan and you can't really change friends when, when it's on, right? Exactly. <laughs> Very cool. So you've been married for six years. Take me back. Wedding day. Wedding song. <laughs> yeah, that song, You Look Beautiful Tonight. Uh, Eric Clapton? Exactly. 
Very nice. Very nice. This was a write-in question that I got from, uh, from another one of our listeners. Um, what's the last song that was played on your phone? On my phone? Well, I mentioned that I'm a Peloton fan. They have yeah. an option where you can like songs throughout your workouts. And so I was playing my play, like my Peloton playlist for my husband over the weekend. And it's funny how you can like a song when you're working out, but you don't necessarily like it when you're, when you're listening to it later. Sure. And so it, it, I can't think of the song specifically, but we were in the car and I remember saying to him, I don't know that I really want to listen to this song right now, but I liked it when I was riding the bike. So Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it, it, it depends on kind of what the what the mood is, what you're trying to get done. I, I, I totally get that. So looking back, going from Arizona to Southern California, further north, back down south, you're starting your career over again equipped with all the knowledge and experience that you have now, what would be the advice that you would give to the younger 22 year old version of Kristen? Um, Continue to push for knowledge. Don't expect any knowledge to be handed to you. You really have to be proactive in your own advocate for where you want your career to go. So don't sit back and wait for somebody to do something for you. If you don't know it, learn it. If you, if you need to ask somebody, ask for help, just just really, really empower yourself and do what you need to do to get where you want to go. Don't just expect it to happen systematically. It's good. I like that. Certainly advice that anybody kind of entering the workforce could, could benefit from. So somewhat along the lines of wielding advice or counsel, let's just say now you're wielding a magic wand and you could wave it over us and change one thing about the organization and your experience and that of your, your peers and colleagues, what, what would that be? I would love to see solar panels and electric vehicle charging at all of our manufacturing facilities and sites. Continue to reduce the, the, the carbon footprint. I would expect nothing less from the person leading the charge on our sustainable solutions, right? So it makes a lot of sense. Kristen, at the end of every Getting to Know podcast, we hit our guests with three specific questions. I'm going to do that with you right now. Uh, And the first one is, what can always be found in your refrigerator, regardless of time of year, season, whatever that is? Sure. Well, I am gluten-free, so I try to have a pretty decent stock of gluten alternatives that I can eat um, that often actually get fed to the family, unbeknownst to them most of the time. And then I also, I I am a a junkie for salsa. And again, the spicier, the better. So there's pretty much always some type of salsa, if not multiple types of salsa in my refrigerator at any given point. How long have you been gluten-free? It's been about two years now. How difficult was that transition? It was definitely a behavior change, but the positive impact I felt on my body just hands down made it worthwhile. I uh, have a wife and two daughters who, who have made the same thing and say the same thing. And I am not strong enough to have made that commitment at this point. So, but I buy it for sure. So Kristen, amongst those who know you well, what would you say you're most famous for? <laughs> This would be a really interesting one to, to survey my friends and family. I don't know exactly what they would say. Um, I would imagine it would be maybe my relentless pursuit when I want something. And let me give you an example about what that means. So I, I went to my undergraduate was at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, which that is one of the rare schools that you actually have to apply into a major when you are a senior in high school. And so I it, it was a very competitive school. So I knew that my grades wouldn't get me in into like the, the College of Business, for example. But I 
I knew that's where I wanted to go. So what I did is I went up to the school and I just did a ton of research, but interviewing students and just digging into how I would be able to get myself into the school. And I identified that there was an opportunity that I could apply into the major of soil science, which was a less impacted major. So they accepted more students with the GPA closer to mine, which was not a bad GPA. It just wasn't a 4.5 like the people I was competing against. So it was just really, I knew I wanted to go there. I wasn't going to take no for an answer. And I just went and figured out how to make it happen. And I did. That's where I ended up graduating from. I like that. You don't relent. And that was very creative of you. So don't sell yourself short on the creativity. Last question for you, Kristen. What would you say you are most looking forward to right this very moment? Well, that is kind of an easy one, actually. So I was one of the the people that moved mid-COVID. I moved into the house that I live in now last November. So that would be November of 2020. Come about April of 21, we discovered that we had a slab leak in our master bedroom. So what that means is the water pipes in our house was built to go through the slab or the foundation of the house and not overhead. So when something leaks, it basically means you're about to have a massive renovation. And so So having lived in the house, this fully turnkey house for six months, we ended up having to rip out the entire master bathroom. And I am most looking forward to that project being completely done. I am so sick and tired of thinking about it, looking at it. (laughs) It's just been a very, very long and painful process that I want to be behind me. And in a location that gets a lot of use. So I'm sure that is frustrating. So I I can understand that. I, For you, I look forward to that uh, being done. Are you close? Yes. Yeah, we're close. We're just at the small little details at this point, and it's just really finding time to, to get it done. Well, good luck with all of that. And Kristen, I want to wanted to thank you for taking time to spend with us today on the Getting to Know podcast. I've certainly enjoyed connecting with you and getting to know you better. I'm certain that the listening audience will. So thank you as our, you know, sustainability guru. Appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to spend with us. Happy to do it anytime. For those of you in the listening audience, thanks for your time as well. And we'll talk to you again in two more weeks. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you.